Mother Nature, Mother's Day, and walk-off wins. The Yankees enjoyed their third straight series win over the weekend in the Bronx, taking two of three from the Nationals thanks to -to back-to-back walk-off victories. We'll debrief the series and look ahead to the big Rays series. Also, Luke is coming. Our special guest this week is former Yankees strength and conditioning coach and now author of Power and Pinstripes, Jeff Mangold. So have some leftover Mother's Day chocolates and enjoy a brand new episode of the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. All right, here's a Pinstripe Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees great Jeff Nelson. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Sheeran, yes, and Nelly at NYNelly43 and Instagram at Jeff.Nelson43. You'll hear our producer Jake Brown pop in during the show as well. Go give us a five-star rating and write in a positive review on Apple Podcasts. We surely do appreciate that. New episodes drop Mondays and Thursdays. We'll be joined later in the show by former Yankees strength and conditioning coach on Nelly's Yankees team's Jeff Mangold. But first, we welcome in Jeff Nelson and Nelly. We got to start with the starters. We were very critical of them early on in the season. Uh, We have to give credit where credit is due and give them a nice slap on the fanny because they've been outstanding recently. They have, and it's good to see. You know, you look at Tyone, his last start, he threw 99 pitches. His pitch count is getting up there. You know, his start, his velocity starting to increase. Kluber has been great. And I was, I was pretty skeptical over, especially Kluber, uh, how he was going to do the rest of the season, even if he was going to stay healthy. I saw a lot of cutters, a lot of cutters, a lot of cutters. Then all of a sudden he started mixing in that changeup, and I think that's really helped him out. I mean, he's using both sides of the plate. He's pitching up and down. He's going deep into the game. There's been times that, that he's even looked like, his old self back in Cleveland. I know it was the Tigers. I know it was the Orioles, but still, these are big league players, and you got to get them out. Herman has pitched well. You know, he had a great spring. He got sent back after two rough starts, and then he's come back. And you know, after that first inning in Cleveland, he re- really settled down and he's pitched outstanding. So you know, you're going to win with starting pitching. That's what you're going to win with. And and the Yankees are really starting to look look like a, a complete team, especially as in their starting rotation. Yeah, and, and when you have a strong starting rotation, you have a stronger bullpen, maybe the strongest in the major leagues, especially when Zach Britton comes back into the fold. But you saw a couple of hiccups, like we mentioned, or like I mentioned earlier about the Yankee bullpen. They've been a little on and off lately, but you give them a pass because what they've had to do up until this point of the season, the Yankees 18 and 16 now, as we tape this here on a Monday before they start one of their longest road trips, a 10-gamer of the season. They match that. I believe it's in July. They have another 10-game road trip, but they start down in Tampa with three, uh, and that's uh, Tuesday. But the Yankee starters entered the game yesterday, uh, Sunday, against the Nationals with the second lowest ERA in the AL in uh, 2021. Chicago. The White Sox entered with a 2.68 ERA. The Yankees have allowed three earned runs or fewer in 19 of their last 20 starts since April 18th. That's a 2.80 ERA with 122 Ks over that span. They've allowed two earned runs or fewer in 10 of their last 13. And Nelly, you brought up Herman. 
And since those first two starts and when he was sent down, uh, he was 0-2 with a 9 ERA. Since he came back up in his last four starts, 2-0 with a 2.59. So you're seeing Kluber start to come around. The changeup helped him out uh, tremendously. You're seeing Tyone start to put everything together. Maybe he's getting his confidence back. You know, we talked about the mental game with him. It's kind of like Murphy's Law. Okay, what else is going to go wrong? What's going to happen next with me? You have to think that that's always in the back of his head. But those three guys... If they're coupled to Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery has been consistent since the season began. So if you put those four guys and hook them up to the Cole train, you really got something, especially if these guys are going into the sixth inning. Because when Zach Britton comes back, Nelly, this could be like the old school Yankees where if they're winning, you could basically shut the TV off. Yeah, the bullpen's going to get the job done. Yeah, it's going to be a six-inning game, and it's uh, and then you just hand it over to the bullpen. And Britton's probably will be back, what, maybe the end of the month? Uh, maybe June. So that that's that's a good sign as well. You know, this is what you like. You, you know, it goes back to when I played and when we had such great starters, you go into a, a series or you go into another city or a, a team comes to you. There's no breaks. You know, I remember sitting on the plane and you would go into Boston and say, oh, are we missing Pedro? Or, you know, is Pedro throwing against us? Or we, you know, are we hitting Randy Johnson or whatever? you kind of hope that you miss those kind of pitchers because the rest of the rotation is usually not that great. But with the Yankees, you don't get a break. And with the way these guys are throwing now, you don't. It's, it's tough for the other team. And it's a lot of confidence for the team, especially the offense. You know you're going to go in. You know you're going to get a quality start. And like you mentioned earlier, you get guys going into the seventh inning, into the eighth inning, not just helps your bullpen now. It's going to help them when it comes time August and September when you're going to need these guys most. Exactly, 100%. And we have to talk about the, the lineup too. And this is what we are talking about since the season began. It, not everybody, one through nine throughout this lineup, has to be hot at the same time. If that was the case, this would be murderer's row times infinity. But you do need certain guys to be the back of their baseball cards. And recently, let's be honest, DJ LeMahieu starting to be DJ LeMahieu again. Giancarlo Stanton has been the MVP of this team over the past couple of weeks. We know he had that 12-game hitting streak. It was snapped, but... He had the, the walk-off hit against the Nationals on Sunday. So if a couple of guys, Jeff, are doing their job in this lineup, the Yankees could still win games if their starters keep them in games. You don't need one through nine, but golly, if five guys have it clicking in this lineup, the Yankees could go on a stretch where they win 15 to 16 games. This is what we expected from this team. This is why we were so upset earlier in the season. You know, everybody could sit here and tune into this podcast and say, oh, they complain about everything. They do this, they do that. Because you have such high expectations. You set the Yankees up in an ivory tower because that's where they belong. And when they're throwing grenades and they're not going off, you're like, well, what the hell is going on with this Yankee team? But now, Jeff, they're proving my point. One, two, three guys could be hitting the ball. Look at Aaron Judge right now. Aaron Judge is basically the one guy you're scratching. You had 14 strikeouts and 22 at-bats. Like, what the hell is going on with this guy? He got a day off on Sunday. and Good. I mean, we usually scratch our heads and wonder why the hell Aaron Boone is giving a guy a day off. But you'll agree with this one, Nelly. I mean, he needed a day on Sunday. Well, 14 strikeouts, what, 22, 23 at-bats? Yes, he did need a day off. The only thing, you know, Stanton won the game yesterday. He got a key hit, and that was the only hit he had of the series. Uh, you miss Urshela because he's a he's one of those guys in the lineup that he hits to all fields, and he's been a real 
consistent part in that lineup because the bottom half of the lineup is really struggling. There's no production whatsoever that's coming out of there. You have Sanchez, Frazier, uh, you know, you look at Tyler Wade when he mixes in Ford that's at first base, he's hitting a, he's hitting a hundred. You know, that's the only thing that concerns me is the bottom half of the lineup. You need, you're going to get Voigt and that's going to be, he's going to come back hopefully during the race season series. It sounds like it's going to be Tuesday and to see what kind of infusion he gives this lineup. You know, here's a guy that won, you know, led the led the league in homers last year. Uh, hopefully he's healthy. I did watch a couple of his his minor league stints, a couple of the highlights. I don't know. I don't know if he's ever run real well, but, you know, hopefully that knee's good enough that it, he's going to be able to stay healthy the whole year. I just want to see more production from the bottom half of the lineup. The top half, they'll, they'll be fine. You know, you look at Stanton. Stanton's going to go through his times, and hopefully somebody else picks him up. LeMayhew's going to be consistent. Hicks is starting to hit the ball now over the last seven games, well over 300, what, 360, 368, something like that. So that's nice to see because this guy swings out of his shoes every single pitch. But the bottom half of the lineup is what I need to see because if I'm a pitcher and if I'm an opposing team and I'm coming in, obviously I don't want Stanton to beat me, but I'm looking and say, okay, I get a break after that, after that fifth hitter or after that fourth hitter. So five through nine is just not that strong right now for the Yankees. The return oh of my Luke. Oh, I was wondering Mother's, what the Mother's hell was going Day, on. Mother's Day has passed. <laughs> the father returns. And Glaber Torres only homers on national holidays. <laughs> All right. Well, Next. It, it was Glaber Day yesterday. Memorial Day. Way before it was Glaber Day. Um, But he does get his first home run. And as our producer, Jake Brown, chimes in. And, and yeah, I, that's exactly where I was going. So Jake read my mind. Luke Voigt is going to change that in the lineup, Jeff, because he lengthens it. And if you've seen what he's done at Scranton the past couple of days. Pitchers beware. This guy is coming and he's coming in hot. Yeah, you know, like I said, hopefully he gives uh, the rest of the lineup. I mean, he, he does. He lengthens that lineup, and now you're looking at six through nine instead of five through nine. You get Urshela back. Urshela didn't go on the IL, so that's a good sign as well that maybe he's starting to feel a little bit better. And I would love to see Sanchez get going. I don't know if he's going to. The Fraser experiment, I, I might be over it. You, you know, this guy's hitting a 143. I know he's got tons of confidence. You know, he, he's made three Superman catches, but other than that, I think he's a mediocre outfielder. I just don't know where you go from there. He doesn't look good at all at the plate. What are you seeing specifically in his at-bats? What, what what do you think he's doing wrong? If you're pitching him, Jeff, because they teach you to read swings, if you're pitching him, how would you get him out? He's guessing all the time up there. I don't think he's sitting on one pitch. I, I think he's trying to overthink things. I think he's, uh, you know, he gets a fastball. Once you get ahead of him, you can climb the ladder. And the next thing, he's swinging a pitch is above about chest high and head high. And he's swinging right through him. You know, when you're in the big leagues and you're going to get one pitch usually to hit. And you can't miss that. Good hitters don't miss it. You look at what Stanton's doing. He's not missing that one pitch that he's getting. Uh, you know, after you get ahead, you can expand the zone on Frazier. You can pitch him inside. I just think he's guessing. He's trying to guess what the pitcher's going to throw him. And he's guessing wrong all the time. He's getting jammed. I saw a little little nubber to second base yesterday. He's swinging at the first pitch, trying to be really aggressive. I want to jump on that first pitch fastball. He's hitting a little lazy fly ball to right field. His bat's a little slow. I think it's all in in his head. He came, remember, he said, hey, I'm going to be an all-star in 2021. You know, you love that kind of confidence, and he does, and you hate seeing guys struggle. I just don't know how much you can keep putting him out there and seeing him struggle at the plate. You can only go down, you know, in the lineup all the way to the nine hole. You know, you can't keep putting him in when everybody else is struggling, I think. So 
I get that, but here's one thing. I, I have to defend him a little bit. And his splits against righties are better than his splits against lefties. So I don't see why early in the season, Aaron Boone decided to put Brett Gardner in and put Frazier on the bench. I know he wasn't hitting, but the only way you get a guy going is if you get him in there, it's reps, man. It, you have to be in the game. And like Gary Sanchez, we talked about this in our last show. He's not going to get better at the plate if he's sitting on the bench but unfortunately you know you can't put Kyle Higashioka on the bench because of what he's doing with the pitching staff right now and I'm not saying he single-handedly brought the Yankees back and put them over 500 but Higgy's been a big part of that and since look I have a reliever with me who won four rings and we haven't talked about a guy who before this season Jeff hadn't thrown in the major leagues since 2015 and his last two seasons in the big leagues, he threw a combined, I think, 11 or 12 innings. He's up to almost 20 innings right now. And he's like Eddie Guardado. They used to call him Everyday Eddie for the Twins. How about Lucas Lickie? Can we talk about him for a little bit? I mean, haven't you been impressed by this guy and what he's done for the team so far? He has. He's got a rubber arm. And, and you can pitch him every day, and it's great to see. And, you know, I don't. I'm sure I'm sure he stays when Britain comes back. I mean, he's he's guy can pitch it almost every day. He can pitch in every situation. Uh, nothing seems to bother him. So, you know, you absolutely love this story. You, you know, you love what's going on. But, you know, to get back to Fraser real quick and some of the other guys, you just look at the bottom half of the lineup, and that's what I'm seeing. You know, you have Ford. Yes, he probably won't stay around. He'll, he'll probably, when Boyd comes back, maybe he goes or maybe he does stay around. I don't know. Maybe you need another left-hander off the, off the bench. He, he just hasn't looked good as well at the plate. And I know you need at-bats. And I know you need reps, but how much do you, when, when other guys are struggling in the lineup, how much do you keep putting these guys out there and, and seeing them struggle like the way they do? You know, I don't like seeing anyone struggle. I don't want to see Fraser struggle. I love this confidence coming into the season saying, Hey, I'm going to be an all-star You know, you're going to get an everyday shot. That's what you want. But you're, now you're just not seeing it. And I don't want to hear that. Oh, it's cold. You know, the weather, you know, once it warms up, these guys will warm up or, or, Hey, you know, there's more pitchers throwing over and 95 than it ever has been you know put the right speeds up you know put the speeds up that the hitters are actually seeing instead of seeing everybody throw 100 miles an hour they're a very good team and and once you start getting healthy you get Voigt back you get Urshela back maybe it does ease some pressure from Frazier maybe Frazier's putting so much pressure on himself because he wants to produce because all the other guys are either hurt or not producing themselves so he's trying to carry the workload and for him being a young player and try to establish himself as an everyday player, it's tough. And I, I get it. And, you know, I, maybe you give him a shot. Maybe you see, OK, when we get healthy, when the Yankees get healthy, when you get Void in or Shella back, maybe it does different. Maybe it is different. Maybe it starts turning guys around. Well, we'll see, because uh, Voigt is expected to join a team down in Tampa and the Yankees. They lost four of their first five series, Nelly. And over their last six, they're 4-0-2. So they've. That, that, that was the thing that you said, Joe Torre said all the time, just win series. And, you know, this last one against the Nationals had me thinking, and Jake should put his microphone on because I am going to reference his team uh, that wins April every year. But the last time the Yankees won back-to-back walk-off wins was the same Yankees team that won you and I a steak dinner, Nelly. That was last season against the New Which York we Yankees. still have not gotten. 
It's coming in the coming weeks. And yes, I did just get up to uh, don't don't eat uh, multi-grain Eggo waffles, I guess, to uh, start the morning. I guess that's not the best recipe for success. Uh, <laughs> what's, the, what's their brand in those? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, I don't know. I just, it, it, when it, it's coming on, you just have to get up even <laughs> mid-recording. That's the first time in uh, New York Post podcast history um, that the show has gone on with me uh, getting up to take care of business. <laughs> show. So it's the theme of the show. I'm, I'm continuing. Continuing with the theme of the pinstripe poop pod. There you go. That, uh, getting it there done. We go. But uh, yes, that will be happening in the coming weeks. I'm going to coordinate with Figgy, the steak dinner. I would set a deadline of June 30th. I think before June 30th it will happen. All right. Well, I think that gives us kind of a, a nice little transition, Jake, into our uh, Q&J segment. So why don't we do that next? Uh, coming up next, uh, the producer, Mr. Jake Brown, as you just heard him, and I will question our own Jeff Nelson in a Q&J right here on the Pinstripe Pod. All right, let's do a little Q&J. Let's have a little fun with Jeff Nelson. And since we're going to have your strength and conditioning coach on, Nelly, uh, Jeff Mangold, to talk about his new book uh, that he wrote with Peter Body. It's titled uh, Power and Pinstripes. And he talks about his time with the uh, Yankees from 1998 to 2006. Also, he was with them from 84 to 88. And he had some time with the Mets as well in the uh, early to mid 90s. So let me ask you this. We know about, you know, the yoga with Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stan and how they dropped the weights a little bit. And since we're having your strength and conditioning coach on, how did you get ready uh, in the off season? And when you when during the season two, I mean, were you picking up the weights throughout the season, Jeff? How did you train when you were with the Yankees? Oh, I was a big weightlifter. I loved it because it was a mental thing for me, you know, going in the weight room every single day. You know, you had routines. I guess you call them superstitions, but I guess the easier word. So it's not a superstition. It was routines you go in a clubhouse you do some leg work you do some arm exercises and then and then I was always in the weight room lifting benching arm curling, doing whatever I could because I threw every day so it mentally kept me strong I said okay if I go in and I do my do my exercises and and lift weights and then all of a sudden I'm ready for the game you know, when I had a day off, if I knew that I wasn't going to pitch, then I probably wasn't going in the weight room. And I was tired. It's like I wanted to go to sleep. I wanted to, I, I wound up passing out sometimes during the game. But, you know, we had guys that hit the weight room, Paul O'Neill, Tino Martinez, Bernie Williams. Those guys were hitting the weight rooms all the time. And all even the pitchers. You, I mean, you had Mike Stanton, you had Pettit, uh, you had a lot of the starters. I think Coney might have been about, and maybe David Wells about the only guys that I think the weight rooms were kryptonite. They ne- they never saw it. You know, they would, they would walk right past and say, weights, what are weights? That's about it. But most guys, they were big. You know, Mangold did a great job. We had this guy, Paul Master Pasco, who was actually Mr. New Jersey. This guy's probably about 5'3", 5'4". But he back then I think he was in his 60s. And and he was he was built. He was a great, he was a great strength coach. But everybody, it's a, I guess it's a little different now. They're always they're always trying to improve and always trying to reinvent the wheel. But back then it was just okay, get in the weight room, get your mental mental state ready and, and go get them. Nelly, in honor of me just uh having to take a trip to the bathroom and it being a theme of the show. Did you have a time where you were on the toilet taking a poop and you're getting getting a call to the bullpen that you got to come in the game or uh, any time where you were pooping kind of at a time where it was very important that the Yankees needed you in your career? No, you know, then you always had routines again. It seemed like you went to the same inning. So I made sure that I did my business around the fifth inning and then I was ready to go. So 
you know, everybody, it's, it's almost like you, you had a sign-up chart on the bathroom said, okay, this is, uh, this is this guy's time to go. Uh, he better get in there because my time, my time slot's coming up. So no, I got the fifth yeah, inning. Third, I got exactly. third inning, Graham Lloyd, fourth inning, Brian Bowringer, fifth inning, Jeff Nelson. Oh yeah. And then, uh, and then Mo came out, his probably was the sixth or seventh and then he was ready to go. So, you know, now you just had the same time, you know, it, it, it was, it was, I don't know what it was, but mentally you always had the same time fifth inning okay i gotta go in and you enjoy it you just sit there and you, you you're ready to go what if the starter gets rocked and you got to come in in the fifth inning that's probably happened probably the only time that's ever happened is during the playoffs when i was with lutz vanilla other than that i wasn't seeing anything very few times that i ever come in the sixth inning so did you have to pick well, i mean i don't know if you like mexican food but i know what it does oh to yeah me. I know what it does to me. So did you have to pick and choose your spots? Like, did you see who was starting and did that have anything to do with the diet you had the, the, the previous day? No, it was basically how much did I have to drink the night before? You know, that was, that was what it was. It wasn't the food. It was like, oh, wow. You know, I, I might've had a few too many last you night. You were just so. beer though, right? You weren't like the hard stuff. Yeah. Just, you know, just beer, but still you have, you have a few and then it starts, uh, leaking out after a while yeah you have a little beer in white castle look out <laughs> oh and that was that was always a thing too because if you went and you hit the beer you were hitting jack in the box or you especially on the road <laughs> taco bell you were you were doing something nelly never pulled off the mcdonald's jaeger wendy's kind of no, night that was, that's, no that's no. our guy jake brown that's who does that <laughs> i didn't have to pit podcast the next day or I didn't, the podcast is my version of pitching shearney jay could have got a colonoscopy the next day that's how clear his colon was all right i got one more nelly you're going to the electric chair What's your meal going to be? What What is your What is your best meal? Like, if, if you know you're done, what are you eating before you oh go to the electric chair? God, I'm a pizza guy, but I love burgers. So, so a good burger is is good for me. Good cheeseburger, maybe a little, maybe good bacon cheeseburger. There's some places in New York that have really good burgers, and and you know, and there's places that have terrible burgers, but a really really good burger. Oh, I'm in. Can never go wrong with a burger. We had a couple of good ones. Here in Astoria, who was the one hitter in your career that you wish you could have faced more times than you did? He was so bad. You struck him out so many times. You're like, I wish I could face this guy a million times. Well, I don't want to embarrass anyone. I mean, I don't want to, uh, but I faced Frank Thomas and Pudge Rodriguez probably the most out of anyone, but it was Troy Glaus. It was so funny that his wife wound up somehow through Instagram, uh, hooked up with somebody and says, oh, my husband hated facing facing Jeff. I think I faced him 14 times, 16 times and struck him out. I think there was only two at-bats that he ever put the ball in play. Wow. And he never got a hit. So I struck him out like 14 out of 16 times, 11 out of 14 times, something like that. So, you know, it was one of those guys, he was a really good hitter. I mean, he had a lot of power for the Angels. So you really had to be careful. It was one of the, it was, it was never one of those things that, that all, oh, here, here, here comes Troy Glaus. I know I'm going to get this guy out, but it just happened. That I'd, I'd like to have a moment of silence and send my thoughts and prayers to Troy Glaus and his family <laughs> during this tough time. Yeah. Murdered. Well, Frank Thomas, you know, Frank Thomas is one of them. I always did work with him with MLB and I would look, it got so bad that I would look in their dugout and all the, the whole White Sox team would laugh because I would come into, we play the White Sox four games. I know I had Frank Thomas all four days. I knew I was pitching against him every single time. I think I might've faced him 40 or 60 times and 
I think he's gotten one hit off of me. So, yeah, something we have to talk about before we stop the Q&J, Jeff, is something we didn't talk about in our opening segment, and that is the Yankees' next series against the Rays, and it's a simple question. I know what my answer is. I need them to win this series. They need to go down to St. Petersburg, and they need to make a statement. They've come out of the dark, but Tampa has owned them since tw- September 2019. Owned. The Yankees are 3-15. and 15 against the Tampa Bay Rays. That has to change, and it has to change in this series right now. That's why I think, you know, it's funny to say games are must-wins, but I think game one against the Rays on Tuesday is a must-win. I mean, that way, I really like how they played against the Nationals. The Nationals have a really good lineup. I mean, they're not an easy team to beat. You were able to hang in there with Scherzer, got him out of the game, and wound up winning an extra inning, so you love that. But I I think you're right. I, I think they have to go in and win the series because right now, Tampa Bay thinks that they can walk over the Yankees any time of the year, and, and they have their number. Right now, they do, and, and they have tons of confidence, and the Yankees need to go in there and set a statement, set a precedence in Game 1. Joining us now, Jeff Mangold, former Yankee strength and conditioning coach. He was with them from 1998 to 2006, which means he's a three-time World Series champion with the Yankees. He's also a coach with the Yanks back in the mid-80s, 84 to 88, and the Mets strength and conditioning coach from 93 to 96. Also, he's got a book coming out Tuesday with the Post's Peter Body called Power and Pinstripes. Jeff, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Unless you've been living under a rock for the past couple of years, you know you could go over to Amazon and order it right now and it'll come to your house (laughs) by uh, any kind of courier, including uh, the flying drones. You know, maybe that'll drop it off at your front door. But Jeff, I got to ask you first and foremost, what was it like to be around this guy, Nelly, when he was playing back in the mid 90s? I thought it was actually Detlef Shrimp. (laughs) (laughs) For the kids who don't know, he was a NBA player. He was with the Sonics, right? Right, yeah. I don't know if he went to the University of Washington or not, but what is he, about 6'8", 6'9", with a crew cut haircut and pretty good pretty good athlete. And But I, I don't think that Detlef Shrimp could throw a slider like Nelly could. <laughs> and I couldn't hit a three like he could. You know, I did some golf, I did some charity golf work when I lived out in Seattle. So yeah, he was, he was like 6'10". You know, Jeff had a tough job. He was a Yankee strength coach because we had, remember Paul Master Pasqua, we had him for a couple years and then Jeff came in and replaced him. And the, t- the job that he had, all of a sudden, all these guys started having their own personal weight strength coaches, and you were the main guy. And I felt really bad. I'm like, this is the guy that's supposed to be teaching us how to, you know, lift and stretch and all this stuff. Next thing you know, you got like three or four guys bringing their own, and it was allowed. I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I felt bad, but I really enjoyed working with you. And you know, I was always a weight room guy. I was in there all the time. It's just like a mental thing for me. But I thought you did a terrific job when you were there. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was. It did get to be more than uh, being a, a, a strength conditioning coach it was someone trying to navigate your way like a politician a little bit through uh through the organization at times but it was a, it was a challenge but it was the end result was being able to uh, come game time and to be able to sit back into you know watch you guys perform night in night out that was caveat for sure jeff everything evolves so training, of course, is going to evolve and how players take care of themselves. That That's all going to go down the line and it, it, you're going to get better ways to do things. Can you give us maybe, because we, we heard about Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, they were doing a lot of yoga this offseason and they felt 
better than they have in recent years just from doing yoga. They, they put the weights down a little bit. What are some of the things that are different from the way maybe you trained guys in the 80s and 90s and what these guys are doing today and why? And I know this is a loaded question, but why are we seeing so many more strains and pulls nowadays than we did back in the day. Stanton and Judge, even though I I never necessarily had hands-on work with them, I out of those two, I, I did work with Stanton for about a three-week period during the World Baseball Classic in 2013. So that's that's my only association with him. But those two guys are both approximately six six, about two seventy, two sixty five, or more, and they just they just generate so much force that it's very tough to, for the tendons and ligaments, the connective tissue of the body to withstand that torque. And they don't need to get any any stronger than they are. They're generating enough force. From what I've heard, what I've read a little bit this year, maybe they've had a different approach, like you said, Chris, to back off of the heavy resistance work to maintain your muscular strength to keep the fibers strong, but and just also to work on on range of motion, your ability to twist and turn and to, to extend and to uh, have those muscles fire at a, at a high rate and to be able to recover from that. How things have changed over the years, some of the nuances, I probably might be the addition of aquatic work, of utilizing swimming pools for uh, backing off on, the, on gravity and to be able to move and simulate running and, and throwing uh, with a reduced workload. I mean, that's that's one example. You know, Jeff, you go back to our days and, you know, I didn't even know I had an oblique. You know, I, I didn't know <laughs> that would even existed. You know, now all of a sudden, oblique, oblique pools, side pools, but you're seeing more injuries. I don't remember when we were together that we had that many injuries or that many uh, hamstring pulls or quad injuries or side injuries, you know, now that they do in these days, especially over the last 10 or 15 years, you're seeing more guys get hurt a lot easier. And I don't remember that happening in the past. Could be a, a combination of possibly a, a player now that if they feel something, if they feel a little strain, that they report it or they'll go to the to athletic trainers and maybe trying to make sure it doesn't get intensify or for them to lose more playing time. But it is one of those, it's a mystery, that's for sure. If somebody could bottle up the the, the potion to them eliminate hamstring and oblique injuries. They, they, they'd uh, probably purchased Amazon from Bezos. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying that Stanton and judge are old because they're not uh, maybe by baseball standards. Stanton is a little older. He's 31, but uh, Aaron judge is still in his twenties. I think he's 29. So these guys, as they get older, though, they have to listen to their bodies. This is like a day-to-day thing for them. I know you just said, you know, the torque that they generate is different than maybe other guys just because of the way they're built. So is this something that they have to police themselves other than the team? I mean, they're the only ones that could hear what their body is saying. So if you were there, you would probably be telling them, you know, this, this is day-to-day. This is you. You have to, it's like an open book. It's like a diary. Uh, and, and that would be another way that these guys could stay on the field more and spend less time on the IL. Is that pretty true of a statement there, Jeff? Yeah, it's pretty true of a statement. And that it comes down to the term is specificity, sport specificity. I know it's a tough one. But to monitor and to train specifically for that, for that function and the movement of your sport. And they, they just have to, there's the, what load management is coming to play 
that term has come into play in the last few years. NBA started it off, and I think it's coming into the major league baseball uh, arena now. But it's very tough to to back off. I think Nellie would definitely tell you that once you take the field, if you have someone to tell you, listen, just kind of take it easy a little bit tonight. Don't uh, you know? Don't go 100%. Just kind of back off a little bit. It's impossible. I think it's impossible. Nelly, I think, I don't know if you'd agree with me or not, that it, the adrenaline takes over, competitive fire takes over, and it's just, it's, it's just natural instinct, and it's a tough road. You're right. You know, you, I laugh when somebody tells a player, oh, you know what, just uh, even in spring training, just take it easy. You know, lay up on some balls. Don't dive. Don't run into walls. Uh, work on this pitch. Yeah, once you step between the lines, it's 100% all the time. And that's all players know how to do. When you try to tell these guys to back off, it looks really awkward. You, you know, I remember Aaron Judge in spring training. There was a couple of balls that, that got hit to him, and he was, like, caught in the middle. He wanted to go after it. And then at the same time, he says, oh, this is spring training. So it kind of looks awkward when you tell someone to back off and they do it it's uh it, it's funny you know when somebody says hey you know take it easy you can't just take it easy that's just not that's just not guys dna or mental mental makeup you know it's 100 percent all the time and your competitive nature is you want to go through a wall you want to win all the time you know jeff i wanted to ask you you've been in the world series you know three times there's a lot of you have a lot of memories in baseball and football what are some of the really good times that you can remember even some of the players that you loved working with from my early years with the yankees back uh, from 1984 to 1988 just to be able to see players like dave winfield perform daily and on the opposing side players like bo jackson and kirk gibson these powerful, explosive, fast athletes that could have, could have played in probably numerous major league or professional sports. Bo Jackson did playing football and baseball. Kirk Gibson did occasionally at Michigan State and with Detroit Tigers. But those also those early years, uh, a character like uh, like Dave Rigetti, who was who's now the longtime San Francisco Giant pitching coach. He was fun to work with and to be around. And just also managers to have my first manager be Yogi Berra, which was quite an experience. And then have Billy Martin come in and then the rotating door with, with managers, but very lucky, great timing and great career. And to the day-to-day, the day-to-day ability to go out and compete and to be part of that and to be in, in five world series and to, and to win three of them. Incredible. He's the author of power and pinstripes. My years training the New York Yankees, a fascinating look inside the inner sanctum of the Steinbrenner area Yankees. You could order it on Amazon and you could also get it uh, Tuesday in bookstores. Uh, it's Jeff Mangold, the former Yankee strength and conditioning coach. And Jeff, I have this, I mean, because I'm uh, chomping at the bit to get this book because I want to hear some of these fascinating looks inside the inner sanctum of the Steinbrenner area Yankees. And I'm sure a lot of Yankee fans are chopping at the bit as well. So can you give us maybe just a little taste, maybe one story to, to whet our appetite a little bit about this book? Well, there was in, uh, I believe it was probably 1985, that George Steinbrenner was, was getting upset that too many players were leaving the bench during the game and going into the clubhouse either to get a drink, get a bite, eat or something, or just to hang out or watch on TV. That is the case. Sometimes you look into major league dugouts and you, you go, where's everybody? You know, we've got to be a unit to be a team. So George designated me to be the, the security guard at the door to the clubhouse there at Yankee Stadium. Nellie, I don't know if you know this or not, because this is the early years. I've heard so that story, pick, yes. 
you can picture this. So here I am standing there and trying to tell guys like Don Baylor, Winfield, Ken Griffey Sr., Ron Guidry, Rick Cerrone, people like that, Phil Necro, said, listen, guys, you can't go in, you know, got to get back on the bench. So George, about second or third day of doing this, Steinberger comes walking down the, down the hallway just to check on me to see if I was doing a good job or not, following through. And from that position where we were standing, you could look straight down the walkway to the dugout. And the bullpen phone was, would be on the, was on the wall at that time period to be utilized to call out to the bullpen. So here's, we look down there, George looks at me and we look down the, the runway and there's Yogi with the uh, earpiece of the phone up on up to his ear going, uh, you know, get Rigetti up for the next hitter. And the, the phone cord is dangling. It's not even connected to the phone. That <laughs> About a minute or so earlier, I guess Canella got all, pissed, uh, all upset and ripped the phone off the uh, connection to the phone. So here's Yogi on the phone talking, and it's not even connected. And George's mouth drops open, my mouth drops open, and just like, what, what the hell is going on around here? You know, things that go on during the game or that – people who don't see or don't know about it. It's, it's all captured in this book. There's quite a few good stories and opinions and just some, some good read, I hope, for people, for fans, sports fans. Yankee fans, Met fans, it's my time period with the Mets and also time periods that, where I started off at the University of Nebraska and University of Florida also. So I hope people enjoy. Jeff Mangold, uh, the former Yankee strength and conditioning coach for the Yankees from 98 to 2006, a three-time World Series champion. We're looking forward to this book, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, Jeff and Chris, thanks so much. Have a great day. Appreciate it. That says goodnight to episode 51, the Bernie Williams edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Munguia for producing the show. Subscribe to Pinstripe Pod and then give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We are back in your eardrums beating away on Thursday after the first two games of the Yank series with the rival Rays. Thanks for listening, folks.